Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds having over 200 speaker files as well as forms for ordering CDs of these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service going. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Anne. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Anne. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Hi, Anne. I'm also a food whore. Um, (laughs) I have coined that phrase because um, when it comes to certain foods, let me tell you why I say I'm a food whore. I'm sure that you couldn't guess, though. Um, But when I get around certain foods, I do not act like a lady at all. Um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but um, this disease has taken me into garbage cans. It has taken me to writing bad checks. It has taken me to thievery, lying, cheating, stealing, all those things. So, yeah, I'm a food whore. So, damn proud of it. Um, um, as I said, I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Um, first of all, before I forget, Walter, thank you so much for um, allowing me to come and share. It's always an honor and privilege to speak at a Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and I have uh, some pictures here, and, you know, I, I had the opportunity to actually have some time to sit down and kind of go through some pictures and I have no pictures of my childhood um, and I'll kind of go into that later but I have pictures of myself from you know 18 and above like actually I think there's one um, picture when I was a, an adolescent in here and um, so I had the opportunity to sit and kind of go down memory lane you know when we get our pictures out and we start to go down and it just made me so incredibly grateful for this program because you know, I've gotten older. I, I turned 50 this year, and my memory just is not what it used to be. And um, it just really brought me back to how blessed I am to have, um, you know, worked these steps and found this program and the people in it, um, especially rooms like this. This meeting here holds a very special place in my heart. Um, I had long-term abstinence, and then uh, I decided I was cured. I was no longer a food whore. And um, I was out there um, for a long time, for many years suffering, um, because I was too ashamed to come back and um, thought I was all that. And this was one of the meetings that I came back to. And it was because of this meeting and the speakers that spoke um, at this meeting that... um, gave me the courage to come back and to be you know, part of Overeaters Anonymous again. So I'm really grateful to this meeting. Um, let me pass pictures out. Um, gosh, uh, I hope that I can say one thing in here that benefits uh, at least somebody in the rooms. And please know that this is my opinion and my story. Um, I'm probably a lot different from you or maybe a lot similar to you. Uh, I have multiple addictions. Uh, I am addicted to everything I feel like some days. Um, Alcohol, uh, drugs. Um, I come from sexual abuse and physical abuse. Um, But I have learned through the years that my primary addiction is definitely food because I believe that everything is rooted there. Um, I believe that I use drugs 
because I wasn't happy with my body. I believe I used food because I had to satiate myself with something because I just could not deal with the feelings that were going on inside of me. And I definitely used food to deal with the rage that I had going on inside me as a kid. So, um, and as I said before, this disease led, led me to write bad checks. It led me to steal and cheat and isolate and be so consumed with self-hatred that um, I actually lost chunks of my childhood. So, um, anyway, speaking of time, let me tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, food gave me instant gratification. It made me feel loved. It made me um, feel better than. It made me feel, uh, it, and best of all, it, made, it numbed me out. Um, sugary substances were um, my favorite things. Um, growing up, all the holidays that um, I experienced as a kid, I don't remember my relatives. I remember the food that we had there. You know, Thanksgiving was about the pumpkin pie with the whipped cream on top. Um, Easter was the Cadbury eggs. Uh, uh, Christmas was about, you know, all the candy that was inside the stocking. And I will be talking about food because this is all anonymous. Um, and my favorite holiday of all is um, Halloween because I don't know about you, but I mean, it was just like heaven to me. Um, and I didn't have those cute little pumpkins, you know, that you see the little kids walking around with, you know, that were about like yay big. I had pill chases. And I did not go out once. I went out two or three times with my brother. Um, we would go out until they shut the door in our faces. And there was a whole ritual behind it. You know, we'd go home, and uh, my mother suffers from this disease as well. We would have to hide our candy from her so that she wouldn't come in and, and steal it from us. But we, you know, we'd spread our candy out on the bed, and then we'd separate the good. You know, you'd throw away, like, the crap, the apples. Back then, they had apples. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you know, we, we'd have the good stuff, and then we'd do our trading and stuff. So it was a whole whole ritual. And I could never understand these kids that would have their candy for weeks. I just did not get that because mine was gone in days. Absolutely, because I would pack it in my pockets and I would go to school. And, um, you know, it was gone. And, um, you know, in elementary school, uh, I started my thievery. Uh, I would steal money from my stepfather's underwear drawer in the morning. I would go in there when they were sleeping and I would take, you know, quarters out and dimes and nickels and I would stop the Helms bakery man and I became a very popular girl at school because I would have candy and um, which would later become drug dealing <laughs> later in my life um, but I, I learned early on that you know if you had things people would like you and they'd be your friends so I learned early on to um, you know kind of I learned how to buy people actually and um, you know as a child, you know, I, I grew up, and there was a lot of things that went on in my home that were not okay and should not happen to any child. Um, and I have done a lot of work, a lot of therapy. Um, and as I said, I dealt with a lot of rage. Um, and I'm really grateful um, that, you know, I had sports. And I, and I think that I was not an obese child because of that. Um, I, had an, I had some kind of outlet. Um, and my family was very athletic as well. So... Um, you know, thank God that, um, you know, I, I, I truly believe that God put these blessings in my life, throughout my life, to kind of keep me, you know, stable. Um, 
because I think if not, I, I would have gone out of my mind. And um, so I remember reading about bulimia the first time when I was nine years old. I remember looking at a Cosmopolitan magazine. And I, re- I remember, and this is really going to date me, but I remember reading about um, Billy Shoemaker. And, uh, or was it Willie Shoemaker? See the memory again. Yeah, Willie Shoemaker, the, the, the horse jockey. And he and his buddies would go out and have big steak dinners right before they'd go on a ride on a race the next day, and they'd barf. And I thought, wow, what a clever idea. And I remember at that age filing that in the back of my mind, thinking, that's very clever. And, um, and I didn't um, start binging and purging um, until I was um, 19 years old. And what happened for me was in high school, um, and my weight was pretty stable. I was pretty much a skinny kid because of my, you know, athleticism. And then what happened in um, high school, um, puberty hit, and um, I think my issues that were going on at home uh, started to hit, and I started just, I was consumed with self-hatred and a lot of uh, shame and just didn't know, you know, the feelings that I was experiencing. And so uh, I discovered pot, and I really liked it because it made me laugh, which I didn't do a lot of back then. And um, but what I didn't like about it was it made me eat, um, and I immediately started, you know, packing on pounds. It started out two, three pounds, and then it, you know, two became five, and then became ten, and then pretty soon, pretty soon I put on about twenty-five pounds. And I have a five-foot-one frame, so you know, five pounds on my body is, is a lot of weight. And then with the bulimic mind, with the self-image, the body image problems that I have, it was like I felt like I was 200 pounds. Um, so the self-hatred began to uh, uh, really uh, pack on in, in my mind. Um, in my, so my senior year, I weighed, I think, 132 to 135 pounds, which was the heaviest uh, I had ever been. And it was devastating to me. So um, I did the, you know, I did the yo-yo dieting. I did the grapefruit diet. I did the uh, the, the the woman's urine, pregnant urine diet, and you know, I did all this with my girlfriends, and and nothing worked. You know, we'd lose, we'd gain, we'd lose, we'd gain, and then um, uh, stop smoking pot. That didn't work, and then I discovered um, diet pills. And um, I discovered these things called preludens, which were just a great diet pill. <laughs> mm. Pretty pink pills. Tasted a little bit like candy on the outside. And um, loved them. And my parents actually liked them too, although they didn't know that they were speed at the time because I cleaned house more. <laughs> and... Um, what happened was, you know, I became addicted to them naturally and had to take more and more of them. So then um, I learned about crosstops, which back then I guess were bennies. And, you know, started the cycle of um, doing a lot of speed and, you know, going up and down. And when you start to do a lot of speed, you know, you've got to have something to calm you down. Um, and also at 19 I started getting uh, chronic migraines. And I'm sure the speed and you know, uh, not eating properly and all that didn't help anything. So I started going to a neurologist. And I think at this point I was going to four different doctors. So um, by the time I was 19, I was on furanol and codeine. I was on about 
probably 40 milligrams of Valium. I was taking these things called space tabs. Um, I was taking my preludens, and I was probably doing about a rack of speed a day, which was, you know, five cross tops. Um, and then I was also up to probably about a half quarter vodka a day. That was to level me out. And, um, to me, to, you know, this kind of became normal for me. Um, and I was a very high-functioning drug addict. I always had a job. Uh, I was, uh, I'd go to school off and on, more off and on. And, um, you know, I, I just functioned. I was always an adult from um, a very young kid because I took care of my brothers growing up. And so I, you know, I just um, always had to be in control. Um, and when I, when I found myself being out of control, I would disappear. Um, I wasn't one of those, you know, fall down sloppy drunks or, uh, you know, tweakers. I was always, um, you know, you, you, saw, you saw me uh, in control no matter what um, and pretty much emotionalist. Um, so I figured out, you know, going over my history, um, I'm really grateful for drugs, again, you know, because I think it kind of um, numbed some of the demons that I had inside me. And um, I figured out that I probably lost and gained about 100 pounds, uh, either, you know, going up and down um, throughout, throughout my years. Um, and I think the, I think my pictures are going around, I think the lowest weight that I got down was probably about 92 pounds. Um, so I guess you could, uh, call me I, a, a short-lived anorexic, but I pretty much flunked it because um, <laughs> I, I didn't say that way for long. And like I said, it was you know drug-induced because um, I'd always go back to the food um, when I was able to eat it. Um, let's see. Uh, so I don't want to get into a big drug drug drunkalogue, but my weight continued to go up and down with the drugs. Um, when I would try and get off the drugs, I would gain weight immediately. I was also a smoker, um, and I would try to quit smoking, you know, on and off again. And as soon as I would quit, then it would, it would be back to the food, and I would gain weight, and I would just go right back to the teeter-tottering. Um, at about, oh, yeah, I got married somewhere in there um, <laughs> to a man. And um, um, I guess I was about 20, and he happened to be a cocaine dealer. Um, he was also going to law school and um, yeah <laughs> I don't know where I met these people and um, it, and I say that because you know when I met him he um, was also one of those people that seemed to have it all together on the outside and I had learned I learned you know several probably about 15 years later that he uh, ended up going to jail for murder um, so, you know, this was what, where my life took me, um, and, you know, I, I could have easily ended up there um, because I, I also turned into a cocaine dealer, uh, you know, in West Hollywood for many, many years and could have easily, you know, been in jail. Many of my friends went to prison. Um, I know I don't look like the type at all anymore, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, I was, I'm very, very blessed to be um, where I am today. And, um, you know, not in jail. So, um, let me see, where was I? Uh, lost anorexic. Uh, what finally happened, oh, yeah, I did divorce that man and um, ended up finding out that I was gay. Um, 
that's a whole other story. And you went through all kinds of emotions of shame and self-hatred. And finally, at um, age 31, um, I decided uh, I was either going to kill myself or was going to get sober. So um, decided to get sober with a best friend of mine, and uh, we both ended up going to AA. And after about two years in AA, um, oh my God, that's it. Um, <laughs> after about you know two years uh, in AA, uh, in working. AA really hard, I got really, really depressed, and I got very suicidal, um, went as far as looking at guns, and just could not take it anymore, and I was throwing up about 15 times a day, um, was writing bad checks, and I, all the old behaviors started coming back, so I started seeing a therapist, and she happened to be a really good therapist, and um, she talked me into, she told me I was clinically depressed, I told her to fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, being taped. Told her to, um, yeah, and so um, I, 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 being in AA, I had learned that you know it was absolutely non-acceptable if you went on any kind of drugs, and I had pretty much had that burned in my mind, and. Um, she convinced me to go see a psychiatrist who said, you know, yes, I am, in fact, clinically depressed. And I went on antidepressants. And it was very difficult for me to do that because I did not believe in them and um, because of the AA. Anyway, um, I'm really glad that I did that. And, and uh, they, in fact, did save my life. Um, and uh, what happened was, um, I totally lost my train of thought, um, after about a few months, uh, she had been telling me about OA, and I had tried it several times, couldn't, you know, I'd go out and binge, I'd stay for a week, and then I'd go out, and I just kept going back and forth, and um, finally started going to OA, and I started to get it, as my head started to clear up, and I didn't have the suicidal thoughts, I finally started to get abstinent. And um, 30 days became 60 days, 90 days became, you know, six months, and, and on and on. And I got, started to get long-term abstinence. Um, also in this period, I started to do a lot of um, step work and a lot of therapy, or my incest and the issues um, growing up and to handle some of the rage and stuff that um, I had been dealing with for, for many, many years. And, you know, I want to say something about that because I think it's a very big part of my recovery. Um, I was so very angry about the way that I grew up. And, you know, for so many years I had blamed my family and, and the people that had done, done me harm. And for so many years, you know, I use that as an excuse for my anger and, and hear me now you know I, I want you to hear this um, at least somebody that that anger that I held inside me for so so long um, was absolutely my right as a human being and I have no regret about that and and and, and the people who did that to me they were 100% responsible for for my childhood but what I want you to hear is I am 100% responsible for my adulthood now. 
The minute that I turned 18, I am responsible. And that's what I have learned in the 12 steps. That's what I learned in AA, and that's what I've learned in OA. I am the only one who can change how I feel about myself or how I feel about you. And if somebody or something takes up space in my head, then there's something wrong with me, you know. And that's what I've, I've had to learn over and over again, you know, through, through working these steps, um, especially my job this year. Um, oh, I kind of skipped over a few things here. Sorry about that. Um, in, in, uh, I, my education as a kid, I always thought I was stupid. Always, thank you. Always thought I was dumb. Um, my stepbrothers are incredibly brilliant. My stepfather was a scientist, incredibly brilliant man. And um, I just always did not feel very smart. Um, athlete, good athlete. Um, but, you know, I just never felt like I measured up. And I have felt that way my whole life about everything. I think that's just part of my ism. I've just never felt enough. And um, so education um, was, was always a deterrent to me. It just I just, you know, would get there and then I would drop out. Um, because of AA, uh, taught me how to show up one day at a time. Because of OA, taught me how to work these steps. Because of people like you in these rooms that taught me that I am okay, I am enough, I do enough, therefore I am enough. Um, I have been able to, I went back to school, I completed my AA, and I also went to Loyola Marymount University, and I finished my bachelor's degree, and I'm now a teacher. To me, that is incredible, um, to walk through that fear of, you know, being, feeling stupid um, is a miracle, um, and um, I'm incredibly proud of that, and I can say that today. Um, and, you know, speaking about relationships, um, I could never have a relationship with anybody um, except at a distance. If the minute that you got too close to me, mm-mm, I'm out of there, you know. I'm real good on the outside, but when it comes to the insides, the intimacy, no, 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 can't go there. And because of, you know, the 12 steps and because of the writing and because of sponsorship and because of people like you, you know, I have been able to form intimate relationships with, you know, numerous people. Um, my partner and I have been together, we're going in our 16th year. Uh, we are getting married in August. <laughs> Hopefully California will you know, pass the law. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, I, I'm incredibly grateful to be even a part of this, you know, this whole process. And um, I, so, so, um, so, so much of my life is like a fairy tale. Um, you know, I live with my partner's parents. They're in their 80s. Uh, her mother has Alzheimer's. Um, if you would have told me that I was going to live with old fogies and be an old fogey, I would have told you that you are out of your mind. And, you know, we live with Ozzie and Harriet, and, and it, they are. They're like the parents that I never had and never knew existed. I mean, they really do exist. Um... My partner is one of the most loving, most beautiful uh, people that I know. 
she I'm I'm just so blessed to to know somebody like that and her family is just as incredible um, and my family you know I don't want to negate them at all my brothers um, we have come so far uh, I lost one of my brothers in 2000 um, my real brother uh, I believe to this disease he was an alcoholic and he was also a compulsive overeater um, and he got some weird heart disease and I believe that part of that reason why he died was of a broken heart because he lost his first family because of his alcoholism um, and his his kids his two his two kids from his first marriage didn't even come to the funeral that's where you know the, the lines of, of this disease cut and you know that was heart wrenching and um, you know now his, his second set of kids Chase and Abby I'm you know I'm with them all the time and um, he's, Chase I just found out he just came out to me he's gay and um, uh, he's you know turned into this incredible young man and I'm you know I'm so grateful um I'm jumping all over the place here. I, I apologize. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I've had 10 years of asthma and lost it. Currently, um, I will have four years of abstinence on June 10th. Um, so I have uh, three years and 11 months um, freedom from bulimia. Um, uh, and I've been, this time around, I've been in OA... Uh, this will be six years. Um, and Leslie, you missed when I said earlier, um, I'm so grateful to this meeting and speakers like you that have really um, touched my heart. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, I still begin each day like I did when I first came into OA and, and AA, and that's um, I get up every morning. Um, I thank God for getting me out of bed, which is not easy until I've had my coffee, but I still do, and I, I read my three meditation books, um, my OA, my AA, and my Al-Anon, um, and then I have a pretty thick book of affirmations and um, my prayers. I have an angel prayer, and I have the, the third step prayer, the tenth step prayer, um, the eleventh step prayer, St. Francis prayer. Um, and this is something that I do every day. This is just like brushing my teeth. Um, if I don't do this, I do not have a good day. I'm like the V8 commercial where the guy's walking sideways. Um, and then I, um, I try to meditate for five minutes, and then I take my dog on a, on a one-mile walk um, where I also talk to God on the walk every morning. Um, and then I start my day. Um, I have been teaching now for six years in elementary school. I started off teaching in the second, and this year I've been teaching in the fourth grade, and I don't like the fourth grade. <laughs> I don't like their tudes. Um, um, and, you know, I talked about, you know, the, the personalities. Um, I've had a lot of issues this year with um, personalities and, you know, a ageism. I'm the old phobie in the crowd, and I'm having to deal with, you know, these techno whizzes, and, you know, they know so much more than I am, and they're so much quicker than I am, 
And, uh, you know, they've been taking up space in my head. So I've had to do a whole lot of work on, you know, some of my colleagues. And um, I've, had to have a, I've had to have a whole lot of faith this year because, you know, our governor is, you know, slashing the budget again, you know, and um, I'm, a, I'm a union rep and, you know, I, I'm very involved in, in things behind the scenes, so I see a lot what, you know, what is going on and it's, it's, it's a shame what they do to teachers and it's a shame what they do to education. Um, it just makes me want to scream sometimes. Um, but see, I have a God and I have faith and I know that... Um, He's going to continue to put me where I'm needed, and he's going to continue to um, do for me what I can't do for others. And um, goodness gracious, thank God I'm almost done. Okay, um, there's some sayings that I've heard in in um, the Twelve Steps that I thought I'd like to share with you. My favorite is, um, I have enough, I am enough, and I do enough. Another one is, um, be not afraid of growing slowly. Be afraid of standing still. This is one of my favorites. My mother's house is not a safe place to land, so don't keep going back to the nut house. Uh, Don't stuff your face. Face your stuff. And... (laughs) This is one of my favorites. Um, But, but, but is the mating call of an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been my mantra lately. I may not be perfect, but parts of me are excellent. I'd like to thank you so much for my life and thank you for uh, listening to me. Thank you. you a little bit longer. We have some questions. Yes, Walter. Hey, thank you very much. Got a lot out of your share. Uh, I thought you were max 37, 38. So could you talk a little bit about your food plan and exercise? Okay. Yes. Um, I have done... I'm sorry. Oh, you're going to make me repeat the question? That means that requires a memory. Um, yeah, you're saying what... I talk a little bit about my food program and my exercise program. Um, my food plan, like I said, I am not perfect, nowhere near perfect. I don't know what perfect abstinence is. You know, my hat's off to you if you have that. Um, mine is pretty much three meals a day with a snack in between if needed. Um, I still have to have sugar-free stuff. I still dwell in that. Um, I have gone off sometimes, but that's just, that's just me. I find that if I eliminate certain things, like if I say, no, I can't have that, I must have that. If I say, no, I cannot have that, no, I cannot have that, no, I cannot have that, oh, I'm having it, I'm having it. So that's just for me. Um, I eat as healthily as I can. I eat fruit and vegetables at every single meal, and my meals are very moderate. Um, You know, like my fist is my protein. I Try to stay away from um, from um, a lot of starches and a lot of carbs. So, that's pretty much it. Oh, exercise. <laughs> this is a disease of amnesia. Um, 
exercise. My, my mile walks a day, every day. I do 20 push-ups a day, the real kind. I do 50 sit-ups every morning, um, and on the weekends I do um, three to four mile hikes, and I hike whenever I can. I love nature, so I'm out there uh, whenever I can. We do a lot of RVing and a lot of camping, so, yeah. Um, yes? Thank you. Is my compulsion still with me, you mean? Yes. Oh, absolutely. How do you deal with it? Because it comes up, you said, in so many different areas. You just keep working. I keep working. I have, I have a, a God that is incredibly wonderful to me, and I really work those steps. And I, I okay. use you guys and my sponsor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I read, the, I read literature every night. I forgot to say that before I go to bed. And I call my sponsor every day, five days a week, and we go over the literature every day. We read two pages a day. On OA. In OA. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, You're in both programs you mentioned. Yes. In OA, do you have two sponsors, and how do you work both your programs? Um, The question was, um, I'm in both programs, and do I work both programs, and do I have two sponsors? Two sponsors. Um, well, the steps are the same in both problems. You just switch the words, alcohol or food, bulimia, whatever. Um, I do not have a, a sponsor in AA right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to have 20 years this November. Um, currently, I do not have. But, I mean, I work my programs to the best of my ability. And I do have a sponsor in OA who I feel is working my AA program just as much. So, I don't know if that answers your question, but any other questions? Um, yes, that Michael. Was, that was fantastic. Thanks. Thank uh, you. Um, especially for somebody new to this, it really was brilliant. Um, the question I've got for you is that um, how, when you have a bad day, how do you get back on track? Excellent. You said you don't have, you know, you don't have perfect abstinence. I don't even know what that is. So when you have a bad day, how do you get back? When I have a bad day, how do I get back on track? Yeah. Excellent question. Um, well, my bad days used to be weeks and months. So right there, it's progress. Um, you know, I make a phone call. I, th- I use the tools. I don't even know how many tools there are. Nine tools? Am I right? Eight tools. Eight tools. Amnesia. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, and I'm really bad about making phone calls. I I just don't like to make phone calls, but I do, and um, I do a lot of writing. Uh, I write every day. Um, I'll pick up my OA book. I'll read. I have my lifeline in my purse usually. Um, I'll call Francine. (laughs) Um, You know, I'll use the tools. And I talk about it. If I, you know, if I have a bad day, I would call somebody and say, look, I just, you know, totally had a bad day. 
And this is what I did. I get rid of it and I tell my sponsor immediately. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much for the share. Um, when you came in the program, or since you've been in the program, has your God changed from when you were a child and when you were going through all of those horrible things? The uh, question is, is, has my God changed from when I was a child to when I went through all those horrible things to now? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think I was very lucky because I've always had a belief in God, even when I was going through those things. Um, I, I always knew that there was something out there. Um, and I never blamed God for that for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but, yes, definitely my perception have got of God has changed. He doesn't have the beard. Um, he, he's not the Jesus figure anymore. Um, it, it's more of nature for me. It's the ocean. It's the wind. It's a flower. Um, you know, it's an angel. So, yeah, it's definitely changed. And it's you guys, most definitely. Okay? I think that's it. Is that it? Thank you so much.